0: Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 160, where in a moment we chat winning with your finances with guest expert Claire Humphreys. That's in just a second, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our pack catalogue of shows. Because in our programs to date, we featured loads of stuff: mortgages, investing, wills, and powers of attorney and Keeps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we chatted attitude to risk and portfolio structure. Find the UK personal finance show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. And here's the start of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Welcome back. Now, when I saw the title of today's episode, Win With Your Finances, I thought, hang on, isn't that what we try and do every week? <laughs> so give us a broad overview of, of what this one's about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, we'll, we'll kind of see as we we'll go through the show. But I, I've been working with Claire now for about six months, and it's been sort of, Transformational stuff, to to be honest. And I kept thinking, I was like, right, we'll need to try and get her on to, to a podcast at some point. Claire's got a company called Will to Win. I, I just thought, I was like, oh, it's like you're winning with with different things. And I just thought, like the stuff that Claire does, a lot of it's quite linked to maybe personal finance, but it can be quite linked. So I thought it'd be good to get Claire on as a guest.
0: Okay, welcome to the show, Claire. Perhaps we can you can start with. Telling us a little bit about yourself and, and your background, as as well as a business, a kind of then to now,
2: if you like. Okay, thank you very much. And thank you, John. And thank you, Phil. Well, you know, in my previous life, I often refer to it as my previous life. I worked in HR and learning and development. I was very fortunate to work for some great organizations, uh, Coca-Cola Enterprises, the Virtue Motor Group. And more recently, I was the head of HR for the House of Brewer. And John... What I found that during my time, I really became fascinated about people, understanding people. And I was fascinated to really kind of understand what makes people successful and is there an actual secret to success?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, I guess it was this way of thinking that really kind of prompted me to start my own journey on self-development and to understand what does make someone more successful than another? How do we win? Um, How do people win in their lives? So I then started on my own journey of being coached and mentored, and it had a huge, profound effect on me. So much so that I knew exactly what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and I was on purpose, uh, and to really enable this transformation. So to go where the change needs to happen, no longer than dealing with symptoms, but we're really getting to the root of the cause. So I made a decision and I started my own coaching and mentoring business, Will to Win. So no longer about training, but enabling this transformation. And I really love working with people. I help people in business, I help people in life, helping them move from this self-sabotage to then self awareness, then to self mastery.
1: I, I think when, when Claire's going through, like some of the stuff you you've done in the past, you've probably been a bit humble. But she had the the honour I went in. I think it was at the Highland Businesswoman Business uh, Businesswoman of the Year a couple of years back. So I know you you've had sort of good achievements as well. But so you've got your own business, will to win that, that you'd set up. When you start working with with new clients, Claire, where do you kind of start in that process?
2: Well, it really kind of all starts finding out what you want, what you want to achieve. If you think about the three things as human beings that we want, we want happiness, we want health, and we want wealth. So what does that look like for them? I really believe that, you know, if we don't have a goal, then we're moving backwards. So once we establish where you want to go, what does winning look like for you, then we need to look at where are you now? What is actually holding you back from achieving your goals? What is holding you back from earning more money, growing your business, living a life of financial freedom? So that is the actual starting point.
0: And the process, Claire. I mean, uh, it sounds almost like you mentioned there. Uh, I was listening to you speak. You mentioned symptoms and enabling people. It's almost like a a doctor diagnosing something, or that's how it comes across. But the process of it. How do you help someone achieve their financial goals?
2: Well, we know what it is that we want, once the the client really gets a clear picture, a very, very clear image of what that goal looks like, then we need to look about what roadblocks are potentially going to be in the way. What hardwired beliefs need to change? What new beliefs around earning money do we need then to, to form? What habitual behavior do we need to change? What new paradigms do we need to create. So all these things really need to be uh, discovered and uncovered as part of that process.
0: We'll come on to the paradigms because that that's interesting. We'll do that in in a moment or two. But I, I'm just thinking about mindset specifically. Why is that so important?
2: Because if you think about if you think about any high performer, if you speak to any high performer, now this could be uh, in sport or in business. I'm sure that you'll agree that mindset is everything, because if you really believe that you can't, then you won't. And, and John, a belief that I have is that everything is 95% mindset and it's 5% strategy. You can have the best plans and you can have the best strategy in the world. But if you don't have the right mindset, then you're really pushing upstream. It's going to be hard work.
1: I I was fascinated. You mentioned about how you were intrigued by what made people successful. And I've been exactly the same over the years. And I've always thought, it's like, how can one person do well and and another maybe doesn't do so well? And a a good example I often give with my own circumstances, I I was brought up in a council house. So most of my close pals are guys that just similar background to myself. But I, I went to a public school. I was lucky to get into that. I got most of the fees paid for me. And at that school, you were around kids from a wealthy background. Their, their parents tended to have a lot of money, a lot of wealth. And, and what I found was that the kids from that background, they, they didn't have to necessarily be very clever, but they all just expected they were going to get a good job, make good money when they were older. Whereas a lot of the guys that, that I grew up with, they just kind of expected to get almost like average jobs, with average pay, because again, that was almost their their kind of mindset. You, you mentioned, I mean, I, I said there, i have been working with Claire probably about six months now and, and during our meetings, you go on about sort of changing your paradigm and you mentioned it just a, a few moments ago as well. But what do you mean by that, Claire?
2: Let's keep it really, really simple. I, that's the way that I like to kind of approach. If you think about a paradigm, a paradigm is just basically a multitude of habits. Yeah, it's a multitude of habits and belief systems that's fixed in our subconscious mind. And you know what's really interesting? That almost all of our behavior is habitual. So what that means is that at least 95% of everything that we're doing on a daily basis is done automatic. It's already programmed. Now, John, I bet you actually followed the same routine this morning when you got out of bed, right? Yes.
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, but... uh, (laughs) Yes, but uh, there's a very specific, it's almost a military procedure, me getting out of bed, because I, on one of my other jobs, I do a breakfast show on radio, so I, I have to I have to be absolutely meticulous about what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. So, yeah, I follow a, a very rigid routine when I get up, yeah.
2: Okay, and and, and that routine, you know, is, is something that we all follow. Yep, so this 95% of us is automatic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. As- And as human beings, we need to operate that way. Can you imagine having to program ourselves to get up every morning and clean our teeth and to go through all that routine? It'd be horrendous. We'd never get anything done. So think about a paradigm as a multitude of habits, which is fixed in our subconscious. So if we really want to change our results, then we need to change the paradigm. We need to change the the programming. And well, how do you do that? Oh my goodness, where do we start? Well, maybe that's something we can cover on another podcast, perhaps.
1: It is. It's like it's getting into good habits, is it, for, for different things. One, one of the things I'm trying to do just now is, is lose weight and be healthier. And and I'm finding by putting the times in my diary and saying, right, I'm going to allocate that time and nothing changes. That's in there. So I'll go to the gym at specific times and like tracking Everything that I eat, how much water intake, and and I guess it's the same with your finances. If if someone's tracking what they're spending money on, that something then they can say, right, do we need to be spending on on this? And actually sitting down and making time for reviewing their, their kind of money situation as well. I mean, some some of the things I, I know like from working with Claire, it's almost like Need Jedi mind tricks, but I, I kind of <laughs> like what I do each morning is I write down like things in the future as if I've already like done it. So I say, oh, "I'm so happy and grateful that I've achieved this or that." I'm always sort of grateful for things like the the wins that I've had each day as well. So it might be like like in the business, business. It might be in my personal life. I'm I'm always looking at different kind of things and. Because so there's a sort of science behind it as well, is there? Claire?
2: Absolutely, there is. There, there is a total science, and when I kind of think about the work that I do, whether I'm working with thinking into results or the neuro change method, there is a science behind everything we do. And if we want to change something, we need to go to that root of the, the 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 programming. We need to change. How we view things. We need to evaluate our habits. We need to evaluate what our daily routine looks like. And, and you know, the great thing about the subconscious mind that the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what is truth and what is a lie, or what is real and what's imagined. And that is why, again, great sports people, they use visualization, they use this technique to build this picture in our, in your mind of, what it is that you want to achieve. Maybe you're practising playing your golf or maybe you're practising football and passing the ball. All great people in business, people in sport, high performance generally will use this technique. So absolutely, Phil, there's great hacks that we've been using.
1: They used to say Tiger Woods, would when he got to the golf course, everybody else would be out practising and he would be kind of visualising himself celebrating after kind of sinking the the winning part. And I think a lot of sportsmen use that type of things. And I know I I write down, like every day I've got a a book and I, I write down in it. So like today I've put, I'm so happy and grateful that I can wear my Gucci jeans I'm so happy and grateful that Phil Anderson Financial Services turned over more than £5 million last year. I'm so happy and grateful that I've run the London Marathon. And and linking it back to people's finances, you you could do that with, I'm so happy and grateful that I'm debt-free. I'm so happy and grateful that last month I earned such and such amount of money. There's lots of examples where you can incorporate that sort of thing as well. And like you say, I remember watching, was a woman called Amy Cuddy, and and she did a, a thing, and it was like, don't sort of fake it till you make it, or think. Uh, she was like, think it until you become it, and that that was kind of like something that resonated with with myself as well.
0: Yeah, I have, totally, Phil. Felt- I have to use the because you're talking about sports analogies. I have to use one of my favourite stories, and I can't remember the year. This is I think it's in the seventies. I imagine it's quite famous. It's uh, about the Russian Olympic gymnastic team. Have you heard this one, Phil?
1: I think I have. I think I've heard you maybe
0: mention it before. Yeah, so I'm sure probably you've heard it a million times as well, Claire, but um, I'm going to do it again because I I think it's, it's probably a pretty good example of what you're talking about. They trained and trained and trained and trained and trained until they couldn't train anymore. They knew all their drills. They knew everything they were doing. And for the last, I think, fortnight or so before the Olympics came around, the only thing they practised was walking up and collecting their gold medal and standing on the podium, and that was it. Because they knew if they saw that, then it was just a matter of joining the dots. Everything was everything was there. And it's sort of that that final picture and then flipping backwards to where you're starting out on the mat. And and that is a, one of the examples from from sport. Is that sound like the similar sort of things you're talking about, Claire?
2: Absolutely. I love that. No, John, I've never heard that before. So no? like,
0: oh wow. No, one of my I, favorites.
2: That's really powerful. Absolutely. This ability to take us. Uh, take our ourselves into the future, but to actually bring it into uh, the the present moment. So, if if you want to be more confident, if you want to make better choices, then you need to think about the person you need to become. You don't wait until you reach that; you become that person now. And that is exactly how I help people. I help people to not only change their belief patterns and their habitual habits, but I also help them to change their conception of themselves because again if we have a, a block of I want this goal, I want financial freedom, and yet there's something stopping us, the best laid like, plan is still not going to is still not going to get us thing.
0: Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna break from where we are a little bit and go off piste slightly because there are a few things that are crossing my mind. The first of those would be when you're talking about the goals that you're reaching for, is there a finite time that you, you place on reaching that goal? Do you say, right, okay, so that goal that you're going for, it's it's a pretty hefty one, so we better put like five years on that or we better do it by the end of this year. Who decides that? You or your client or how does it work?
2: I think it's a com- kind of a combination of both, but I-, I love what you're saying, John. I carry around goal cards. Yeah, so mm-hmm. what Phil was sort of saying about thinking about what it is that you want to achieve in the future and thinking about it now today and i carry various different goal cards for different things that i want to achieve and i remember writing a goal card back in 2020 and it was when i put myself forward for the highland businesswoman of the year award and i visualized walking onto the stage or i visualized giving my thank you speech and i remember writing on the goal card a specific date and saying you know i'm happy i'm i'm so happy and grateful now that i've won business woman of the year on such and such a date and i did it so whilst we don't know what the time frame always looks like by putting in a date that is going to prime your mind in terms of honing in into a goal because otherwise if we don't put um if we don't put a specific date it can be then just a dream or a wish.
0: But equally, the reverse has to be true as well, that if you pass that date, you haven't suddenly failed in your goal. You're, you're taking steps to get there, but it might just not be that specific date. I, I understand what you're saying, but I think it's probably important to reinforce that as well.
2: Absolutely, exactly. It's just a guide. It's just a guideline that we're working towards. And, and sometimes, you know, I have hit goals when I expected and some goals that I'm way out But again, it's honing your mind in to working towards that goal. What is a goal? It's a worthy ideal, John. I think one of the best definitions of success that I've ever come across is how Earl Nightingale put it. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. It's progressive. We're always working towards it. And it's your definition of success, what that happiness, what that health, what that wealth looks like to you.
0: Here's another quick one, and it's just a sort of sidebar as well. When you're talking about your goals, I noticed Phil there was talking about the things that he was looking to achieve, the, the Gucci jeans, his company turned over 5 million. There must be, you must have to rein in a sense of definition to this, because if not, Phil could say 500 million, you know, a, a billion. So presumably you put on some parameters to to the goals.
2: Absolutely not, John. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh really? Oh wow! Okay. So why did you stop at five? Phil? <laughs> See, I
1: think like if if your mind is limited by, a, say, a certain figure, that that's where you're only going to get to to that, are you? Whereas if if you say right, I want to be, I, I used to say I want to be a millionaire, and I, I I said right, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm fifty, and then at the minute my business is worth quite a, a lot of money, and and I kind of thought I got there lot, lot faster than I could ever have imagined. And, and then it's like, right, okay, what's what, what's the next steps? And what, one of the things you, you spoke about, I think, writing down goals, I, I'm a very, quite a visual person. So I use, I, I've got boards, that I've got photos on. So at the minute, one, one of my goals on my, my board, I want to go to space. Now, at the minute, that's nearly that achievable. It's getting more achievable. But I, I think, right, I don't know how I'm going to, get there i know that i'll need money to pay to get there but i I think right as technology advances probably by the time maybe in 20 years time that might be an easier option than it is today and i always thought right one of the things i want to do in life i want to see the earth from space so that's one of my big ones i want to run a marathon so i've got a photo on my board of a like a medal and a vest from a, a marathon. And that's going to take me a bit of time. I'm i near the fittest at the minute. I'm working on my fitness. But I kind of look at it and I think, right, other people have achieved that. So, why? okay, I could set a goal and say, right, let's just do a, a 5K or a 10K. But I thought, no, nah, I want to run a marathon. And again, some people would say, right, I want to do, what is it called when they do like multiple marathons? I can't remember what it's called. But there's not to stop somebody if they wanted to to kind of do that. So it is we, we limit ourselves quite a lot in in what we, we kind of want. And and that kind of probably ties me on quite nicely to the 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 next thing I was going to ask Claire about one of the things that Claire introduced me to was a book called Think and Grow Rich. And you mentioned Napoleon Hill who who wrote oh no it was Errol Nightingale you mentioned, but I think he's mentioned in the book. But it's a, a book by Napoleon Hill and it studied I think a lot of like influential people and successful people in America. And that was a book that Claire introduced me about. So I was going to say, Claire, could you just tell us a wee bit about that book?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love what you were saying as well, Phil. You know, I often sort of say the only limitations are the ones that we impose on ourselves. And, and if you think about the great people that have broken what I say, the four minute mile, if we think about the two bicycle mechanics, right, that that were the first people that actually put the plane in, on, in, in the air, Were they to think realistically? They had gone somewhere that nobody ever had before. The likes of Ed Hillary that climbed Mount Everest and attempted it three times. Nobody had ever gone there before. Roger Bannister, who ran the mile under four minutes. All these people have achieved something that has never done before. So they quit believing on what they thought was realistic. And they knew that if it was physically possible, if it was, if they could hold it in their mind, they could achieve it. So being realistic, well, what's realistic to one person? may be a complete and utter fantasy to other people. And when we think about one of the greatest books and one of the original greatest books on human potential and success, written by Napoleon Hill, is Think and Grow Rich. And if you think about the richest man of his time, you know, the Dunfermline born Andrew Carnegie. And if you think about looking to kind of create happiness, health and wealth, then I really encourage anyone to buy this book because it's all based on the evidence of the great performers of their time from Edison to Henry Ford. And they are all sharing these key principles of success.
1: I I, I found it a great book. For me, it's been quite life-changing. I wish I'd kind of, I had came across it before, but I just never read it. And I suppose in, in the title, "Think and Grow Rich," and and it's the thinking, is it? That's that's probably the the important part because a lot of people think negative thoughts, and I think when you think negative thoughts, it just attracts more negativity. Whereas when you're thinking positively and and almost like in abundance, and that that's the one trait that all these successful people that he studied, because he he studied oh, hundreds of folk. For, for years, and and that was the thing that, that he found. And there, there's some great examples in the book. There, there was one, I can't remember the, the name of who it was, but somebody rocked up to an island years and years ago to kind of invade it. And the first thing they did, they, they only had so many men, and the natives had hundreds or thousands more. And what he did was he, he got his um, crew to burn the boats. So he thought, right, the mindset's got to be we've got to win. And that, that was... Like the whoever led that one, and the, there was an example. I think of the guy that very nearly found gold, and then he gave up and didn't find it. But he actually, through that experience, it made him try harder for success and something else, and having resilience and not like not given given up is something that a lot of people do, is it, clear?
2: Absolutely, I, you know. If you think about, if you really want to get a, a taste of of what the book is about. And even though it was written in a time, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the early part of the century, the principles really withstand time but they're more, you know, they're more kind of applicable now than they ever have been. You know, if you if you want to achieve something bigger than where you are now, you've got to have desire. You have to know what you want, but you have to have a great desire about what it is that you want to achieve. Now, when times are going to get hard, and as we know that life Always throws curveballs, right? We have to have persistence. We have to be able to persevere in in adversity. We have to have specialized knowledge. So again, if you want to grow wealth, then hang around with people like Phil—they that have this specialized knowledge in terms of how to invest your money or how to make your money work for you. All these principles are going to help you in order to move forward. It's
1: like, so, it's almost like trying to ingrain things in your subconscious mind as well, is it, Claire? That, that's absolute. something that, like, I, I know in Think and Grow Rich, it goes on about that. And another book that you, you can introduce me to as well was Psycho-Cybernetics by a chap called Maxwell Malt. And that that was another one that I found interesting. But I think it was written in, uh, it was like the 1940s, but it's still really quite relevant. I mean, it was sort of well before its time. Are you want to tell us a wee bit about that book as well?
2: Absolutely. I love this book. It, it, it sounds a bit kind of out there, psycho-cybernetics, but basically Maltz was a cosmetic surgeon. And what he discovered was that whilst he made some physiological changes on most people, he would either fix the scar or fix a broken nose. What he found that not always did they have psychological changes. So we'd make the, the correction, but nothing inside would change. So what he then went on to discover and again, what I love about Maltz's work that anybody that's working in personal development have used this book in, in terms of their understanding, as well as our habitual behavior, as well as the program being fixed, we also have a perception of ourselves, of who we think we are. And we call this our self-image. It's like a it's like a mental picture of what sort of person I am. So if we see ourselves as not a great manager or a leader. Maybe we're not confident in making decisions around money because we think we're rubbish and understanding numbers. If we see ourselves as not clever enough or educated enough to start a new business, then we're going to have a poor self-image. And this poor concept of ourselves is also going to block us from success. So again, this is how I help people change their self-image. And it's really remarkable how quickly people in business start to transform in a very, very short amount of time.
0: One of the questions that uh, was crossing my mind as you were talking there as well, the pair of you. Well, I've got a couple here, actually, (laughs) just popped up. One, do you have to work with one goal at a time or can you work on a number of goals simultaneously, Claire?
2: I would say I encourage my clients to think about a personal goal and a professional goal. And sometimes they overlap. And what we want personally is what we want to achieve professionally. But I encourage people to have a personal goal and a professional goal that's moving them in the same direction.
1: I I used to have, I mentioned my goals boards, and I've got four of them, three personal ones and one for for business. And I know, like at the minute, my big priority is my health. So so I'm thinking, right, I want to have laser focus when it comes to that, because I know that that then has spin-off. So the healthier I feel, the more energy I've got, the better I can do for the business, which then helps with that kind of goal. So it does sort of interlink. And I do think it's good to be like honed in on things. You can't have too, if you've got your finger in too many pies, it's kind of like you, you need to be pretty, you can lose focus in, in that kind of instance. But I know, like I say, I, I write things down as well as as look at it. And when I go back and look at my goals boards for, say, five, six, seven years ago, It's totally different. There's only a couple of things still on there. I've always wanted to go to Las Vegas. I'm going there in January and February next year, going twice early into 2024. So that'll be another one that can get removed. I'd always wanted to go to Wimbledon. That's still on there. But then they're they're probably easier ones for me to tick off, whereas... Like it used to be, I used to think, right, I want to go to a Super Bowl or I want to do this or that or go to this sort of place. And gradually we've just sort of ticked them all off. I, I, I wanted to meet Roger Daltrey. I did that just recently. There's some of the goals. I always think it's like, why, why just go for things that are easy to achieve? You want to try and look at things that are quite, like, could be harder and you, you look at it and you think, oh, I don't know how I'm going to... Get to that level, but you just start to your mind just starts to attract stuff and opportunities come up, and and it, it's strange. There, there is a kind of science behind it, though. There,
2: there, there definitely is. And I love what you're saying as well, Phil. You know, I, we we talk about when I when I work with um, when I work with Phil and when I work with my other clients, we talk about these different goals. You know, an A-type goal is something that you know how to do. So if I said to Phil, right, go and you know create another financial business he knows how to do that or go and a goal of his to get a, a Bentley car he potentially knows how to do that a b type goal is something you think you can do well if this happens if this plan works if this circumstance is right then i think i can achieve it but a c type goal this is coming from your wants you haven't got a you haven't got a clue of how you're going to achieve it all you know that deep down this is what you want it, it, it kind of ticks those boxes in terms of this is going to make me happy. This is going to make me wealthy. And it may be wealth of money. It may be wealth of relationships. And this is what's going to make me happy. So if you know how to reach your goal, then I would challenge you. Perhaps you're not thinking big enough.
0: There's a a quote that sprung to mind there as you were again as you were both speaking. JFK, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, which is something that sprung into mind. I think you've kind of defined it yourself, Phil, is in that you've changed the goals. But one of the things that has always interested me, Claire, is the likes of someone that we perceive to be exceptionally successful, let's say Richard Branson or Rupert Murdoch or any anybody who has made their wealth and, and has all these things that, that we desire. So their own private island, for instance, in uh, Richard Branson's case. I've often wondered why that guy gets up in the morning. <laughs> Presumably it's because his goals in life have changed throughout his life. Otherwise, if it was just making money, then he'd have stopped. If it was just owning his own private island, then he'd have stopped. But presumably the goals always change and there are others and you have to keep setting them. Otherwise, you know, why would you get up in the morning?
2: That's a real good question. Do you know what the most things, the, the most kind of um, misconception as well, John, about goals. People think about goals, they're to get something. I'm going to get a financial success or I'm gonna get the island. But actually the whole purpose of a goal is to grow. It's about the growth that you experience, the person you become, that level of awareness. It's the growing process in that. Because as human beings, it's in our innate behavior that we all want to achieve something. If we want to run, we want to run faster. If we make money, we want to make more money. If we want to travel, then we want to travel the world. As human beings, it's within us to express ourselves and to expand our awareness so it's, you know, the, the the byproduct of the goal, the wealth of the money or the opportunities, uh, that is just a, a product of the growth that you experience. So yeah. absolutely, majority of people, that high performers, they'll never want to retire. They'll never want to stop what they're doing because they're forever evolving and changing and introducing themselves to a side of them that they never knew that was there.
0: I'm keen to know if there's anyone that you can't work with, clearly, the type of person who's sceptical and, and closed-minded and considers taking you on as a challenge to you that you know you can't bring success to them. Do you, do you come across scepticism much in your line of work?
2: Yeah, again, John, we all understand, I suppose that change isn't easy. And I've had some really great conversations with people that are not open to ideas of change. And I think that actually coming back to Think and Grow Rich, I think Think and Grow Rich nails this really. It, it has a quote in there that it says, no one is ready for a thing until he believes he can acquire it. The state of mind must be belief, not mere hope or wish. Open-mindedness, open-mindedness is essential for belief as closed minds do not inspire faith, courage and belief. So again, if we are not open to the idea, we can bring a horse to water, but we can't make it drink. That person has to realize that they want to change, that they are capable of changing, that everything within them is set up for success. If we think about science nowadays, the brain is completely malleable. That is neuroplasticity. Our gene expression isn't fixed. Our personality is not fixed. So we're really dealing with an endless possibility of who we can become. So for me, when the student is ready, that's when the teacher will appear. Hmm.
1: Just the other day, my son had kind of said to me, we would see, like it was like a really nice car. I can't remember what type it was, but and he, he's like, oh, I get really jealous when I see people driving cars like that, because I want to, I wish that was me. I was like, oh, no, it's like, you didn't want to have that kind of mindset. I was like, the mindset that you want to have is like, oh, good on them. They've done really well to, to get that. And then, you're, again, something just changes in your mind and it starts looking to track that rather than th- seeing if if you think negatively, your mind sees that as, as negative. And, and that was one thing that, that I did with, with him just the other day when he, he mentioned that. But I was wondering if you any tips that you can share with our listeners, Claire, when it comes to having like almost like an abundance or, or wealth kind of mindset?
2: Definitely. I think, again, start with your beliefs. What is it you believe to be true about abundance or, or or money? Because again, if we have a belief that we've been brought up to believe that money is the root of all evil or money can't buy your happiness or all these fixed beliefs, then are we really going to attract abundance if we're feeling... And we are aligned to a belief and um, a belief system that actually conflicts that. So what I would start with is to get a pen and paper and to challenge yourself on your own beliefs, write out questions. We know what do I believe about my abilities? What do I believe about success? What do I believe? And I think once you start to uncover your beliefs, that's a good sort of starting point. And then it's like any reprogramming. If you want to achieve success, then we need to start changing the programming. And this is where getting clear on your goals, this is whereby you can set great affirmations. What is an affirmation? It's just a a program. It's just repetition that you're feeding your subconscious mind. Because again, if your subconscious mind doesn't have the ability to reject that idea then start feeding it with ideas that you want as opposed to being fixed on ideas and things that you don't want. Because if you continuously fixate on, I haven't got money, I haven't got success, I haven't got the life that I want, then you're just going to draw more of the same. So if you change the programming, if you start off with the beliefs and start planting new ideas about what it is that you want to achieve, you're gonna find that your subconscious mind will start to accept those ideas and you're gonna think and feel differently.
1: It's been a lot of good stuff in the, the show today. If someone wanted to work with yourself or or contact yourself, Claire, how how would they go about that? I think your your website is at will-two-win.co.uk, I think is the, the website. Is that right?
2: It is. Yeah. wwwwill to hyphenwinco You got dot code dot uk even they can email me on claire at will hyphen two hyphen win dot do dot code.uk dot <laughs> uk or you can actually uh contact me on whatsapp or facebook or linkedin or if anybody wants to contact me via phil happy to uh yeah.
1: happy to I think one one thing to, to kind of stress to people listening as well is we, we have met up a couple of times, but you're, you're about a two and a half hour drive away from, from where I am. We do kind of our calls pretty much every week over over Zoom. So distance, I mean, we, we've got listeners all over the UK as well. So I think that's an, an interest or something worth kind of telling our listeners as well. But I have used Claire for, for six months now. It's been absolutely amazing made a big difference to to myself. I feel like it's taken like myself and the business to to another level yet again. So I know I kind of highly recommend people speaking to
0: Claire.
2: Well thank you, Phil.
0: As we always do, Phil, on your podcast app we take a look at how our subject matter has affected your own life, both professionally and personally. You've spoken about it a little bit, but what do you want to focus on from today's show, win with your finances?
1: Yeah, I think like mindset is so key when it comes to to money. And, and finances and sometimes like I go on about money and wealth a, a lot I suppose that's the purpose of the show I mean for me it's what I can then do with that money so I enjoy helping people make a lot of charitable donations I, I kind of love helping people with their finances so that's why we, we do the podcast to, to try and help people and and if if someone can gain sort of financial success by listening to to the podcast that that's kind of great for, for me I would stress again that the book Think and Grow Rich, it's an absolute cracker by Napoleon Hill. If, if you've not read it, then it's it's worth reading. And if you have read it, read it again, because it's just a gold mine of stuff. I know Claire does um, stuff through it. Is it the Proctor Gallagher Institute that you're you're like a certified consultant or coach through through them? And I know Bob Proctor, he, he goes on about the book um, Think and Grow Rich and says, like, was when he was alive, I think not only did he read it once, but he was constantly reading it as as well. So it's such an important book and like everything that you need, a lot of the tools are kind of there. People's done it before. Mindset is is a power, hugely powerful thing and trying to be positive. I know sometimes there's a lot of negativity about last few years. We've had wars, we've had COVID. There's been like a lot of kind of negativity but it's always looking for the positives and, and things and like I, at times when there's maybe recessions a lot of people kind of batten down the hatches and think negatively but I always look and I think oh there, there's more self-made millionaires come out of times of recessions than in times when there's not a recession so I, I think that that's kind of just good examples as well but that book is is one that I wish I'd read it years ago who knows where I would be <laughs> or, same if I met tell you, Claire, Phil, maybe be, years ago, where would I be now? I tell so... you,
0: be, you'd be in space looking down, Phil, but that's <laughs> still that's still to come.
1: I'd be on oh. holiday
0: again. <laughs> exactly. You'd be in Vegas going, when are we going to go next? Also, in the podcast, a regular bit that we delve into is Phil's quote of the week being a fan, as Phil is, of influential and motivational sayings and quotes. What do you have this week on our topic of win with your finances?
1: Got one from Bob Proctor. See yourself living in abundance and you will attract it. It works every time with every person.
0: Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if that's what you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a moment. I'll give it to you after this. Uh, This first one is from Jen in Plockton. Hi, Phil. We get a lot of holidaying families traveling through this way, and I've recently been left a property by a family member in their will. My idea is to do it up slightly and then turn it into an Airbnb. Is there anything specific I need to know or anything which may prevent me from doing that?
1: We did a previous podcast on Airbnb, but it was actually called Serviced Accommodation. That was episode 149. Now, I was away in holiday when that one was recorded. So I think it was maybe Cheryl that, that stood in for myself it that was, day. But it was. I, I don't know if it was much covered in, in that one, but it's fairly easy to set yourself up as an Airbnb host. But there are some kind of legal obligations and things that you've got to, to follow. So, for example, every year you need gas-safe registered engineer to inspect the property if it's got gas. You also need things like pack testing done. I think that's portable appliance testing is what it stands for probably also worth speaking to an accountant to find out how the tax works on on any money that you're you're making off of that i know for some people it might be worth them looking depending what they were looking to do maybe better looking at like setting up a limited company for for that if it's possible so accountant would be able to help on the, the tax side of things in scotland you need a short-term let license if you're doing an Airbnb, you would need to pay a license and fee the, the local authority if you're applying for that as well. So probably a few things that would, would need taken into account. I'm sure Airbnb would keep you right on, on most of that things as well.
0: I was about to say, I think that you know if you, if you go to their site, they actually you know take you through what to do to, to, to set it up, I think. Next up, here's one from Katrina and Elgin who asked, Hi Phil, I know things go up and down in the property market, but is there ever a time which is looked upon as traditionally better or worse in the year? for putting a house in the market regardless of fluctuating trends?
1: Spring's traditionally seen as the best time of year to sell. I I used to work for the largest property solicitor in Scotland. I worked there for a few years, and I know their busiest times a year was usually spring and autumn. One thing I suppose staying in Elgin, one disadvantage of being in the north of Scotland is that in the winter, it can be dark early. So that might put people off viewing if they were kind of coming around and seeing a property in the dark. Whereas if you're doing it in the spring, it's going to be a lot lighter. Probably weather's going to be a little bit better at that time of year as well. I I wouldn't get too hung up on the time of year, though, because there's always people looking to move all year round. And then it only takes one person. My house was on the market recently. We did a couple of viewings. And then for a couple of weeks, it kind of slowed down. And then all of a sudden, one person came along, loved it, put in an offer. And then that was it through. So you just never know. Sometimes you're in the right place at the right time.
0: I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 160 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. Thank you also to our guest expert, Claire Humphreys, of Will to Win. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us, and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, John. Thanks very much for for coming on, Claire. It's been great to have you on, and I think we could probably end up doing a few Podcasts out all the stuff that, that you can help people with.
2: Absolutely. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much. And looking forward to working with you further.